Welcome to the Big Careers Small Children podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I believe that no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For much too long, brilliant people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children, and that leads to gender inequality in leadership and the same stale, mostly male, middle-class people leading our organizations. We absolutely must change this, and I hope that many of you listening right now to this podcast will progress to the most senior leadership roles possible in a way that works for you and for your families, so you can make the decisions that make our world and our organizations better places. Beyond the podcast, I am the CEO and founder of the social enterprise Leaders Plus, which is all about giving parents the support and space to progress to senior leadership in a way that works for them and their families. We have lots of free events and also lots of resources on leadersplus.org where you can download helpful toolkits such as on returning from maternity leave or securing a promotion as a working parent or thriving or surviving depending how you look at it as a dual career couple. We also have an award-winning global fellowship program for working parents who have big dreams for their careers but don't want to sacrifice everything for it. You will join a tight-knit supportive group of people. You'll get space to think about what you want for your life, for your family, for your career, a senior leader mentor and a lot of targeted support in order to get you where you would like to be. And you can find all that on leadersplus.org forward slash fellowship for the details. The next application deadline is on 20th March 2024 and you can download the brochure on leadersplus.org. If you are listening to this on the day when it goes out, it will be Christmas week. And as you can imagine, I'm taking a well-deserved break. But I wanted to share with you an old episode that was particularly popular with our listener. And it is around the topic of being present with your children. Um, Those of you who are lucky enough to take off Christmas, I know we also do have doctors and nurses, not all of whom can take off Christmas, Um, Those of you who are lucky enough, I always find the time of holidays and celebration a really valuable time to rethink how I want my relationships with my children to be. And for me, the conversation with Martha really has shaped my actions and my behaviours with the children, even today, um, back from the time when I actually had the conversation with her. So I hope if you haven't listened to the episode yet, that you really enjoy it. If you have listened to it already, then do have a look through back our catalogue. Enjoy. Today's podcast guest is Dr. Martha Deiros Colado. Many of our fellows tell me time and time again that they struggle with worrying about the kids when they're at work and likewise thinking about work when they are at home putting the kids to bed. Martha and I talk about being present with your children when you're at home, but also how to be at work without feeling guilty and how to make them understand that sometimes you do have to and want to work and they just need to be okay without interrupting you, and also about how to make them feel valued, even if you don't spend all day with them or attend every school play. Enjoy the conversation. So I'm Marta. I'm a clinical psychologist. I specialise in working with children and families, and I've been working in the NHS for over 18 years. And who's in my family? Me, my husband, and my little girl, who is nearly four. 
And two cats. We have two cats. They're also part of my family. Very important to mention the cats. Yeah. And we should actually say you're a doctor, Martha. I think it's so important yes. that whenever we interview women that we actually say that you all the, oh. all the credentials. I am a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. So it's this kind of, I think that's important to kind of state. So I'm a doctor because I did a doctorate. So not a PhD. It's called a clinical. I'm a clinical psychologist because what we do is a clinical doctorate. So it looks like medical training, but the only difference is that we don't prescribe medication. Makes sense. Thanks for clarifying. And what did you used to believe about combining an ambitious career with young children that you do not believe anymore? It's a really good question. I struggled with this question because I because I work with children and their families. I've always been really aware that having a child would change my life and potentially re-evaluate my career or how I run my career or how I work. So I think in my mind that was always there. I think I thought it would be easier is not the word, smoother, smoother transition probably. I really thought I would find it easier to compartmentalize like work and parenting. And also because I'm a psychologist. So I did think, well, I've got all the tools in my bag. I'm going to be able to do this really easily, smoothly. And actually, yeah, I mean, even though I know this, because I also work in like pediatrics with children who are sick, just those little everyday things that kind of trip you up, like your child gets sick, right? You take them to school and, you know, two hours later, they're like, sorry, your child is throwing up. Please come and pick them up. I'm like, what? So, you know, my whole day goes out the window. Things like obviously school holidays, which I kind of knew, but it's when you experience it so much harder. So you end up having all these to-do lists of like, you know, where's my child going to go? And then you feel bad that, you know, you're not spending enough time with them and it's their holidays. You should be spending like nice family time. So it's all those little bits, I think, that when you experience them, they suddenly don't feel as like smooth or tidy or kind of contained as I thought they would be. And it still surprises me. Like it still surprises me when my child falls sick, like how how challenging it is for me with work. Because it's not the same as when it was just me and I fell sick and I could, you know, make a decision of am I going to go in and just take a few paracetamol or am I going to call in and stay in bed because I'm really not in a functioning place. I it doesn't work like that with kids when they're sick, they're sick, right? So you you can't send them in. You have to kind of stay with them. You run your own business, so yes. I presume your clients are, you know, you have to deliver for your clients. Yes. And it's really fascinating that it sounds like basically these day-to-day situations stress even you out who, yes, you know, who, who is someone who is trained to deal well with all those mental health type situations. Yeah. And, you know, stress is part of everybody's life, right? We're humans. I'm a human. It doesn't matter what career I have professionally. I'm still a mother, a woman, you know, a person, and therefore stress impacts on me. Absolutely. I think it is about how we manage it and how we cope with it, of course. And I do think I have more toolkits available to me, but it still can feel like a really big challenge. Mm, Absolutely. Can you share with us one thing, one toolkit that you learned as part of your training that you've used this week? If you don't mind, if nothing comes to mind, that's fine. I'm going to struggle. Because I probably use loads of them like every day. Not to worry, not to worry. I didn't send you this question in advance, but I was just curious to get an insight into the life of 
Dr. Martha. So not not to worry about it. <laughs> I mean, probably like I can talk about, you know, something that like I use every day. So I will have used it, you know, like in terms of boundaries. So, and it is something that we learn at work in, in my training in terms of when we work with families or children, et cetera. But we also learn them for us as professionals. So as a clinical psychologist, we hear lots of stories every day, very personal, moving stories, but also, of course, stories of distress or stories that are incredibly challenging. And we learn to develop coping strategies so that we don't carry that into our everyday lives, that we're able to set a boundary with how much emotion we hold and we put it somewhere else, which we call clinical supervision. So we have another clinical psychologist who is more experienced than us, who supervises us, that we can have these conversations with and they help to contain some of those emotions and then we can leave them. And we also learn to do things like write case notes, you know, so we put everything down on paper, which is a tool. When you write things that stress you or challenge you down on a piece of paper, you are taking them out of you a little bit, okay? And then that means that I can close my case note file and be like, okay, you know, go and do something different. And alongside that, with the boundaries bit, it is about doing things that nurture you or nourish you. So for me, that is movement. Movement is something that really helps me with stress. I also experience anxiety quite a lot. So for me, moving really helps me. So I go for a run and I do lots of yoga. And those are my two kind of pockets of kind of rest, I'm going to call them, even though I'm running. If I go for mindful runs. So it's not like I'm not running against a clock or distance. I just run for me. In nature, I always go into the nature, like into the woods. So that really helps me. But I think having those boundaries of, which I have to practice every day between like the moment that I work and then the moment that I'm with my child or that I have to do something like for the family, like cook a meal, that's become a lot more solid for me than before I had a child. So in a way, becoming a mother has taught me these skills better because I used to be really terrible at just working really late. You know, I used to not leave my hospital where I worked until about eight o'clock at night. That was quite usual for me. And my job was nine mm. to five. So, you know, I would just call my husband and say, I'm going to be late. We're just going to eat dinner much, much later. I can't do that. <laughs> like, I have a child and she needs to eat and she's not going to be okay if there's not dinner on the table before 8.30 at night. That's not okay. She'll, she should be asleep. So. Having a child has much more helped me with kind of boundaries and even like caring for myself, you know, just being much more efficient, I think, mm. about I need to stop this now because I need to go for a run before I pick her up and then, you know, it's time for dinner, et cetera. And it really helps me. So those are probably some of the things that I've learned that I've put into practice, but also differently now that I'm a parent. Mm. I think that will resonate with so many people because... It's one thing, obviously, hearing a child's story who, whose mother is dying is, is very different from dealing with budget overspends. But I, I think that question of how do you contain what is worrying you in a good way is quite powerful. I have had a lot of discussions recently with some of our fellows, so the people who are going through our fellowship programs, about that presence, so being present with your children when you are with them and being present at work and not thinking about the children at work 
and not thinking about work when you're home. I think that's really difficult. And I've been reflect. I don't have an answer to it. I mean, for me, it's very practical things in that I used to schedule calls sometimes during my Fridays when I look after my children, just because I thought, oh, you know, I really need to recruit enough senior leader mentors for our program. So I'm sure it's not going to hurt to have one 15-minute call, but actually it really did hurt. And it meant all morning I would think about that call and then the call usually got postponed or didn't happen and then it got annoyed and was not present. So for me, that's a really practical thing of how I managed to be more present. But what, from your experience, what, what works to be really present with your children? Yeah, I mean, I think what you said is probably true for everyone, right? If who's a parent, if you go to work, you're going to have like thoughts about your child and with, with your child, you're thinking about work. I think I mean, in psychology lingo, we call some of those intrusive thoughts. If they upset you or they really get in the way of what you're doing, then they'll be intrusive to your presence, as you were talking about. And one of the ways to kind of deal with that is to kind of catch it. So just to notice that you're thinking about your child, whatever it is, and notice, is this a moment where at work you need to take a break and just refocus? Because sometimes it's a signal you need to stop. You need to refocus in some way. And it's a similar thing with your child when you notice work coming at you. It's obviously stress, but just stop for a moment. Don't try and ignore it or just like let it happen. And you're still trying to play with your child because you're not really present with your child, but you're not actually actioning anything useful with your stress. So one of the things that I would recommend people do, and this is hard to do, but it's a practice, is to just stop. So it might be about saying to your child, you know what? Give me a minute. It's okay. Give me a minute. Go and get a drink. You know, maybe offer your child a drink. Would you like a drink? Let's have a drink. Because in that moment, you're not spending meaningful time with your child if your brain is somewhere else. So take that as a cue, like a little signal that you need to just stop for a second. It doesn't have to be very long. You know, get a glass of water, sit down, put yourself in a different place. Maybe check that email that you're like, I'm really stressing about this message. Look at it for a minute, just a minute, but separate to being with your child rather than get your phone out and do it while your child is playing. That's really unhelpful. But if you separate it, it can help you just say to your stress, okay, phone, one of the things that I do, put my phone away, switch it off, put it, I put it really high up in our kitchen cupboards because they're really high. <laughs> so I put it right at the top, top of the plates, and I just leave it and it's switched off so it can't buzz. It can't give me those little like signals of something's happening on my phone. I just can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't feel it. And then I try and focus on my child. So how do you become present with your child? So one of the things that I think is a bit of a myth is that as parents, you have to spend like hours with your child for them to feel your presence and your connection. It's not true. They don't need hours and hours of you. They want hours and hours of you. Okay. okay? But it's about how meaningful you spend the time that you are with them and there's research to say like 15 to 20 minutes a day can be enough as long as what you do is very meaningful so how do you do that by just really focusing on your child just focus on them okay just look at your child try and it's called sharing their gaze so it's not about eye contact necessarily and some kids find that quite difficult but it's about sharing what they're looking at so if they're looking at a book you look at it with them and you comment, like you narrate it. If they're playing with some toys, narrate what they're doing with the toys. If they're doing some drawing, narrate what you see. Oh, you're grabbing the red pen. Great. What are you going to do with that? Just be really like valuating and focused on what they do. So think about at work, like when you're in a 
meeting and you're really focusing on writing, you know, brief notes so that you remember all the key parts, it's the same thing, but you're just doing that with your child. And what you're actually doing, not remembering it for you. You want your child to remember, my parent is really noticing me. They're really valuing what I'm doing or what I'm looking at or how we are interacting. And that's really key. That's what gives child a sense of your presence, that you see them, that you value them, that you are enjoying being with them. And, you know, that last point is also key. Make sure you enjoy being with your child. So another thing that I think I hear a lot from parents is that they play and they find it boring. If you find it boring, find something you like. Find something that's going to give you some joy, not just your child. Do the boring game with them that they want to do and then say, right, let's do something else. I really enjoy whatever it is. You know, like for me, I really enjoy jigsaw puzzles. I think I always did. I like them. They're quite fun for me. So we've got tons of jigsaws now and that's what we do. And my daughter enjoys them too. But I enjoy doing a jigsaw and I enjoy it when she like finds a piece and like, you know, gets excited because it got in the right place. So think about what you enjoy and do a bit more of that because children can really feel how we feel. So it's like, if you're feeling really bored, they'll know. And then they're just Mm. not interested anymore. But if you're enjoying it, they're like, yes, whatever this is, this is cool. Because look at my mom and dad, they look really happy. So I want to do this too. Mm, That is so, so true. And actually really so provoking. I shall try to implement that. I think it's so true. You just cannot fake being interested with your child. You just cannot. They will see straight through you. They will just see straight through you. And it is just horrendous sitting down and pretending I'm exactly that sort of person I really don't like playing with the children but I really love doing other things so I love going to the park I'm a very passionate and I would say very good hide and seeker and I love all those things you know and I think it's such a we, sometimes we all do this pressure and obviously we all attend parenting I mean not all of us maybe it's just me who is a serial parenting course attendee but we we learn we're told what to do yeah but actually there's so much, you, you just need to give yourself permission to focus on the joy, I think. And I love those small, simple things of just following the gaze. I haven't heard this yet. Following the gaze of what the child is doing, that's quite nice. And then you feel less guilty because I think there's such a debate between this quality time. Some people say, oh yeah, it's just about quality time. And then you come home from work, you're exhausted, there's no food, you forgot to buy milk, your other half maybe is in another country, if you happen to have another half, not everybody does. So. I think just being present for a short amount of time then is, is really powerful. Mm. I mean, being present for a short amount of time can just be really little things. Like when you collect your child, this is such a small thing, but it can feel massive to a child. When you pick them up, you know, they run towards you, they come towards you. How do you greet them? This is a moment of presence and connection with your child. And if you're not using it as like this golden opportunity, you're missing out because it's seconds and it can be really powerful. So they come to you rather than being like, hey, okay, come on, let's go. How was school? Let's go home. Instead of doing that, just take a moment, look at your child, hold their little head or hold their hands and say something like, oh, I've been so looking forward to seeing you. That's it. You can say something like, this is the best part of my day when I come and pick you up. Hi, darling. Give them a cuddle. 
children beam. They're like, oh my God, you've been waiting for me. Like I've been waiting for you because our kids do wait for us. Okay. They do. And if you're not picking them up at the school gates because somebody's brought them home, it doesn't matter. It's that like those tiny reunion moments and also the separation moments. They are times for presence and connection and they do really matter. So the same as like, good night. How do you say good night to your child? What, how can you offer them that tiny extra bit of connection? I sometimes give my child like an extra large cuddle that is slightly more tight than usual so that she starts to giggle and is like, get off me. And her saying get off me is a good thing, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, too much of me. You've had too much of me, but I'm about to leave. So if she's telling me to get off, she's also kind of saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to kind of be in my own space. So think about that because they're tiny little moments, but they can be so powerful. Think about the words you use, touch, and just, you know, when you connect and when you separate, those are really important times. Hmm. Love it. Absolutely love it. And I think my children will be very surprised tomorrow when it's my day to pick them up when I'm, <laughs> I'm much more friendly than usual. I recently found out that according to Inside Radio, only one in five of the top charting podcasts are hosted by women. And that's despite 50% of listeners being female. I had no idea it was such an old boys club. So if you are finding that this podcast benefited you in some way, and if you're passionate about gender equality in all forms, then please take a moment to support a female hosted podcast by sharing this episode with a friend, for example, on Signal or WhatsApp, subscribing and giving it a five-star rating. Thank you so much for your support. Back to our conversation. I was wondering, just so obviously, many people, and especially me, many people listening, but also me, I, you know, you might have multiple failures. So I have definitely picked up my children. And I know that's not good at all, but I have on occasion been on my phone while picking them up, like someone I was trying to speak to and they finally called exactly five minutes before school gate opened, da, da, da. So, I mean, that's not the major thing, but also, actually, this is not meant to be a personal therapy session, but also, for example, yesterday, I really wanted a break and my mother was here, it was Sunday, on the day before recording, and I ended up, my middle daughter was screaming because she wanted me and I wanted just to go and get the food shopping on my own, what a treat, for half an hour. And I still left and she was generally distraught, like utterly distraught. I kind of knew in my gut that she was probably going to be distraught and it wasn't just a quick call. So basically I went back and, you know, I really, I didn't apologize and said, look, I shouldn't have left, blah, blah, etc. But the bottom line is we all make mistakes and we all get it wrong. What's the way to repair when you do that so that your child doesn't have damage in 20 years time? Yeah. So like nothing that you've said is damaging. First thing, none of what you said is damaging. You know, being on your phone, when you pick up your child, that's going to happen. But I think repair, it's about apologizing, but it's more than I am sorry. It's more than just saying those words. It's about being accountable to your actions. I think if you're on the phone, you pick up your child, it's about a small apology. This is not a big thing and it's not a failure. It's okay to say to your child, I'm so sorry, I was on the phone you know, you don't have to give a massive explanation. It's enough to say, I was on the phone and I really had to talk to this person. But when we get home, I'm going to make us a drink and we're going to sit down together and I really want to hear about your day. That's repair, okay? It's always got an action that follows. If what you do is 
go shopping on your own because you need a break. By the way, that is one of the ways I take a break and it's wonderful. So never feel bad about it. Never. And your child is upset. They're distraught, but they're in the care of somebody who is also a loving adult. So you don't have to feel bad. And it's more about how you leave and then what happens when you come back. So if when you leave, you say, I know you don't want me to go, but I'm going to go shopping and grandma's going to look after you. And after you've had a bit of playtime with grandma, I'm going to be back. Okay. I always come back. I love you, darling. Walk away. Yes, your child might still cry. They're protesting. They're saying, no, this is not what I want you to do. And it's okay for you to say, I know you don't want me to do this. I'm still going. And when you come back, you don't have to feel like, oh my God, I've totally harmed my child. It's about kind of, you know, I mean, to me, that doesn't really need a massive apology again, because this is kind of you, it's a boundary. It's you saying, I'm going to do something that you don't like, but I need to do it for me. It's a little bit like I said before, if you need a break or something, it's about saying, I'm going to stop this game right now. I need to take a moment. I'm not in this game or this. That isn't something you have to apologize about, but you can kind of explain, you know, not explain it, kind of get to know your child's experience of it. So you could go once you're home, be curious with your child. What did you do with your grandma? How was it? Oh, I know you didn't want me to leave, did you? Sometimes mommy has to go shopping by herself or sometimes mommy has to do things without you. I know it's really hard to be away from me sometimes. I know. I love you. I always come back and I always want to spend time with you. Sometimes I can't. Like, that's it. Mm. Doesn't need a massive apology. I, I like that. And I think it's so important for us to give ourselves permission because I read this really interesting book by Rutger Bergman, The Utopia for Realists. And in that, he says in a footnote that in the 1970s, housewives for spending a lot less time interacting with their children than we do nowadays and we are How putting our, ourselves on such a high demand you know that we are doing so much interaction with our children and ideally should all be educational and so on and so forth and actually if we are I and you might challenge me on this but I think for gender equality to happen Obviously, we need both men, women, all genders to interact with children. But also, yes. we need to just allow ourselves to sometimes put ourselves and sometimes put our work before our children. As yes. long as it doesn't damage them in the long run. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think if you don't put yourself first sometimes, it can damage your child. Because we know that our mental health has an impact on our children. And if, you know, not having a break from work or your children or, you know, not having space for you can be a stressor. It can be really stressful and it can impact on you. So it's much, much healthier to set boundaries and have a little bit of time away from work, from your child, from your partner, if you have one, you know, just have time for you. Go and do something you enjoy. That is so much healthier. And our children, like, they're going to be okay as long as they're not on their own. You're not abandoning them. They're with another caring, loving other. If it's a grandparent or another parent, that that is really healthy. You need to see that as an opportunity for developing relationships with these other people, which is really important. Children do well when they develop more than one relationship. It's not healthy for a child to have one, just one person. That's not what attachment is about. Attachment is about having multiple relationships and kind of that difference can be really healthy because it teaches children about flexibility. So this is all good stuff. Mm. 
And when you prioritize work, I mean, I presume you sometimes prioritize work as well with your four-year-old. Is there anything that you do in addition to practically make sure your child doesn't disturb you or that they understand what you need to do? No, I mean, I would say don't overthink it too much. I have had a period recently where I've had to work on weekends a lot. And that's been really, really hard because, you know, weekends I do try and protect for us as a family. But it has meant that my child has been spending time with her dad and she knows I'm in the house, but I'm not available. And the only thing that I have done is make it very clear to her. So a bit like if I leave, you know, go to the shop, I make it very clear to her. And I give her the kind of a sense of when she's going to see me and when she's not. And I make it very clear. So I would tell her like Saturday morning, you know, I'm not going to go to ballet with you. Daddy's going to take you. And then you're going to go and play with your little friends. And when you're back for lunch, mommy's going to come back from her office and we're going to all eat lunch together. But after lunch, I'm, I'm going to go back and work. So you and daddy are going to do some playing or go to the park or go on your bike or whatever they were going to do. And then I said, and then at dinner time, I'll be with you and I'll do bath time and I'll do bedtime so you get to see me. So I would tell her, this is when you get to see me. And that kind of works. I mean, I'm not going to say she didn't kick off. She did several times because she wanted mommy and she would scream, you know, because she knows I'm here and I'm not really here at the same time. And it was really challenging because it was also out of her routine. But I would say don't overthink it. Yes, it feels hard. It is hard. It's hard for you and it's going to be hard for your child. But I think if you just set it very clear and your child has a clear sense of when they see you, and it's going to be different to what I said, because most people are not just necessarily working on a weekend from their home, but that's what I was doing. It really helps children to know, like having that predictability is what helps kids kind of feel a bit more grounded and safe, even though it's different, even though they miss you. And again, for me, it was the coming together. I always made a really big deal when I would see her of like how lovely it was to spend time with her and put my phone away so we don't have phones at mealtimes. That's one of our house rules. So then things like that. So our mealtimes were very much about us being together. But I would say don't overthink it too much. There's nothing you can really do to stop your child from missing you. And when they do, it's just a sign of your connection and it's a good thing. So just, you know, hold that when you're feeling bad working. Your child misses you because your connection is that strong and you're going to get back together. You're going to see each other again. This isn't forever. Mm, that's very powerful. And how did you deal with your own emotions? So you were doing a job you love, but also you can hear in the back of your head that there is a child screaming and asking to see mommy. How how are you able to focus on work when you know your child is safe and well looked after and is probably benefiting from some daddy time, but it is pulling at your heartstrings. Yeah. So I guess two things for me. One, and I think I do have this, I have this real confidence in myself that what I'm doing is right. Like it's right for me and it is right for my child. And so that helps me kind of let go of feeling like terrible and not being able to work or so distressed that I've got to go and be with her. I don't have to. I trust my husband. You know, I love him. He is a wonderful father. I know they're having a great time. And this is her saying, I miss my mummy. And he can deal with that because he's good at it. And I trust in him. And I also have this confidence of, 
me doing what I love and doing my job is also important. It's important for me and it's healthy. So I'm not going to give it up. Okay. So I have this, these both, both and situations. And I think also I have this knowledge, awareness, maybe it's also confidence that it's really good for my daughter, who is a girl, to see her mom work and prioritize something that she enjoys and loves. And she knows I work and she knows I work with children and families. She doesn't really know what psychologist is, but we kind of, she's asked before, what do you do? So I kind of tell her very simply what I do. And I think it is important for her to see that I can be a mummy, but I can also have a job and have something that is mine. It's not mine and daddy's. You know, it's just mine. This is my career. This is my part of my identity. This is part of my womanhood. And I think that's important for our little girls and our little boys to see it. You know, like it's not just daddy who leaves every day because my husband also works abroad. So he sometimes goes away for like a while, never longer than like a week, but he might go for like a week or two a month. And, you know, my daughter sees that. But I think if she never saw that in me, she'd be like, well, how come daddy does that? But mommy never goes anywhere. So it's good for our children to experience that and to see mothers as not just being a parent. We are so much more than that. There are different facets to our identity and it's healthy for kids to witness it. Mm, Definitely. Well said. We should probably say exactly how people can work with you because we skirted around what you do for work. But can you just explain actually what what if someone is listening to this and maybe they're an employer or maybe they're a parent, how would they work with you practically? Well, I, I no longer work for the NHS. I did, had a big shift about nearly a year after my daughter was born. So I went back to work. But then again, no, she was nearly two. I went on maternity leave and then I went back to work for a year and then I quit the NHS. So I now work for myself and I run workshops and training for businesses and big companies around parenting, but also sometimes I get asked to do consultation on brands. So I don't do advertising, but I will consult for brands and go in and talk about things, particularly if they're around child development or children, that kind of thing. And I also still do clinical work because that's really kind of the core of what I do. So I work with children and families privately and I offer individual therapy and I also offer family therapy. And you can contact me or find out about me on my website, which is drmartyspsychologist.com. And you, I've kind of separated it on my website so you can see what I offer and have a look if you're interested. And I also have a podcast, which is free. But every week I answer a real question. So parents will send a question to me, which I love, by the way. I like really enjoy this. And they send me a real question, something they're struggling with, something they're confused about. And I answer it on my podcast every week. And it's just 30 minutes. It's called Talking Sense with Dr. Marta. And it's available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Great. That's really helpful, actually. So we can contextualize what you spend your time doing when you do it. And and I should say, you also, at the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, you ran a really good session for Leaders Plus for our fellows about how to communicate COVID to the children, which was extremely well received. So thank you again for that. We are coming toward the, towards the end of our podcast and we always leave our listeners with three practical things that they could start this week. So it, I would love for you to share with our listeners one, two or three really small practical things that they could do if they want to be more present 
this week, either with the child or at work? My pleasure. Switch off your phone because you said at work or at home. Okay, when you really want to focus on a task, wherever you are, switch off your phone. (laughs) Our smartphones are like attention-grabbing gremlins. Seriously, they're they're there, they get at us. If you switch off your phone, you will notice like silence around you and you can actually do what you have to do. So that would be tip number one. Tip number two, make sure that you schedule times where you're going to rest. Okay, so this is kind of like a boundary. But the same way that you schedule a call or that you schedule a meeting in your work diary or whatever it is, I want you to schedule two, I'm going to be extra, two five-minute slots in your day where you're going to take a break, which means you're going to get up off your desk if you work, you know, at a desk or like a sitting job, most people do. And if you don't, I still want you to leave the area that you're at and you can make yourself a drink or go for a walk or whatever you want. Five minutes, five minutes, but go. Okay, that's really important, really healthy. And same if you're at home or it's the weekend or whatever, it's nice to schedule a couple of five-minute breaks of me time. Just go and I do this, by the way. I sometimes just go and lie down on the bed for five minutes by myself. It's wonderful. And you then notice what it feels like afterwards when you reconnect with your child or you go back and sit at your chair, you're going to notice a difference. So please do that. And what could be my third tip? Maybe try and meet your child or separate with your child or do both in a way that shows that you are a lot more present with them. And do the same if you have a partner. This is wild. Here's a wild idea. When your partner and you say, if you have one, you know, bye-bye at the door in the morning. Consider not just giving each other a wave, give each other like either a hug or a little kiss, but actually look at each other's eyes. Actually make contact rather than, bye, you know, from the other side of the room. It's so easy to do. It's a second, but it can kind of add to your currency in your relationship with your husband or your partner. You know, it can add into that currency part of feeling good together. You're a team, so we can really help you. But also, obviously, with your child, you know, make sure you look at them and say goodbye properly or reunite with them properly and that kind of eye contact, hold them, say something nice. Because it's kind of like it's adding currency to your relationship. It's boosting them and it's boosting you. Amazing. So many really practical tips to take away. Thank you so much. And if people want to find out, so you've mentioned, I think, the website, you might want to repeat it again if people weren't able to take a note, but is there anything else that you very people connect with you? I think you're quite active on Instagram, if I remember right. Yes. So my website is Dr. Marta, M-A-R-T-H-A, psychologist.com. And my Instagram is Dr. Marta, psychologist. And yes, I am quite active. <laughs> I see it as part of my job now. I started it because of lockdown. I didn't have an Instagram page before. And I started it through lockdown just to try and be useful to people, kind of be aware of like all services going online and just how difficult it was for everyone. And yeah, it's kind of grown from there in a way I did not expect. So now I see it as part of my job. I find it hard to give up, like giving things for free to people. I find it hard, like there's clearly a need and people find it useful. So 
while it's still useful to people, I will carry on offering it. Mm. Thank you very much for all your work. It's really important and very well received. And I'm sure we'll keep the conversation in some shape or form. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. And a special thank you to all of those of you who have connected with me on LinkedIn in the last few weeks. I really, really love hearing from listeners and hearing how you enjoyed the show. So it means a lot. Thank you so much. If you would like to be in touch in real life, do consider joining the Leaders Plus Fellowship Program. It is such a fantastic community of working parents supporting each other to find a way to get careers where you can make a big difference in senior roles, but also do that unapologetically in a way that works for us. And if you want to apply, then the deadline is 20th of March. You can download the brochure for the program on leadersplus.org. Podcasting is also quite a male-dominated environment. If you look at the top charting podcasts, especially outside of the kids and family space, very often it's all led by men. I can't remember the numbers, but it is very male-dominated. Just take a look at the charts. And interestingly enough, more females than males listen to podcasts. So another unequal space. And thank you for supporting this podcast by listening to it. But if you want to help us I guess have more influence in the space then please do help by sharing it with your friends and by leaving a five-star review thank you so much to all of those of you who've done that already have a wonderful week